I, ha- I have to let myself enjoy it and realize that you can have uh, meaning in people's lives who you don't know. And, and that's, that's an, an interesting thing. It's not necessarily bad, you know? And um, you just have to sort of uh, go with it and both make sure you're both getting something out of it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame. Episode 8. I'm Jamie Berger. Hardy White is someone who's incredibly famous to the people whom he's famous to, those who love and know his work. His radio show, Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White, blesses the faithful on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on WFMU the eclectic, extremely independent, and unquestionably legendary radio station based in New Jersey, but available anywhere. Go to WFMU.org for more on the station, often called the best radio station in America. This is our first hour-long 15 Minutes. By now, many of you realize that while 15 minutes is the name of the show, it is not the length of the episodes, but a reference to Andy Warhol's famous statement about fame. Hardy and I recorded right after his June 9th episode aired, and during our conversation, I make a couple references to that episode that aren't self-explanatory. I refer to a time Hardy mentions in the show, when he uh, and friends spotted Mel Brooks one night when they were out watching the ponies at Calder Racecourse in South Florida. I also mentioned times when Hardy goes up to New Jersey for FMU fun drives and other events, when he experiences his odd fame firsthand, when he's welcomed by more fans than he sees at any one time anywhere else, maybe more than he sees in the course of an entire year in person. That's about all you need to know for now. Well, hello. Uh Uh-oh. Hello? Looks like you're there. Hello, I can't me. hear Hang you on. for some reason. I know, I'm not hearing Maybe me. Maybe if I do this. Hello, Hardy. Hello, ah, I, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? All right, good, good, yay. Yay, hello, it's it's good to finally talk to you. It's nice to talk to you yes. too. I couldn't remember it back when I was in Louisville and, I, and we almost had a drink, whether I, we, we just wrote on Facebook, I think. Yeah, we never spoke, yeah. which is yeah, it's better to speak. Yes, it's yeah. Speaking <clears throat> is 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 a better means of communication. It is. It's more subtle. Yes, you can convey things that you can't convey in uh, in in typing. Yes, absolutely. Ev- my evidence is Facebook and all the ruined friendships. You know, I, this this is what I find frustrating about writing anything on that on Facebook is I feel I feel forced to use an exclamation point. <laughs> Yeah. Right, just not to sound like a dick. Right, it's just everything just sounds okay. I'll, I'll I'll meet you. Everything just sounds like you're being a dick. Yep. And there's things you can put in in your inflection when you speak to people that you don't. That it's not there. There's no written equivalent. I've actually or, been trying to be disciplined about exactly that lately, and be like, I I I can't put an exclamation point on everything. But they I, ha- I, I, I've tried. But it's a really, literally, and then once you start stopping, makes you sound like, oh, now he's pissed. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because he stops, he's not using the exclamation point. So either I'm for creative, you know, punctuation. Mm-hmm. Not like Victor Borger or anything. <laughs> yeah, people, it's funny that we're talking about fame because uh, uh, there's a good example. People used to get famous for weird things. 
and uh, it would spread in odd ways. And usually, I guess TV in my in my generation, it was all broadcast television. So if it was on TV, it was important. Yeah. Well, that that's probably one of the reasons that I, I was going to mention Muhammad Ali became very important in my childhood. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I remember reading uh, something where uh, he was uh, like the most famous person in the in the world. Yep, that's like what I remember. Recognized and and I, I and I vaguely remember like Pele being also mm-hmm. like one of those world famous, literally world famous people. I mean, we misuse the word, but. There are people that are in, you know, and they get usually were international sports figures, you know, either the, the Olympics did it, you know, but I don't know. There's not a really equivalent now. I don't, I guess. Yeah. I wonder, you know, I wonder what other people see and, you know, and where they see it, you know, just during the course of your day, what, what you think is, is what everybody else is seeing is strange. Like what? I, I only guess at what other people see or, or who they know, <laughs> you know, that's what we could never, it's, it's, it's funny, like, uh, uh, for different generations too, like you might have a celebrity, uh, uh, an actor or something that's you think ev- surely everybody knows this person if they go to an airport or something, heads turn, you know, but sometimes it could really be a generational thing and, and you just completely have missed someone's, you know, decades long career. Mm-hmm. Because you just weren't, <laughs> you just weren't paying your, attention. Yeah, that's not where your attention yeah. was. You know, yeah. it's a, it's, it's neat, but yeah. it's, it's strange. I have to, you know, when I speak to my mom or something, I have to find like common celebrity common ground. Yeah, how old is she? She's eighty. Yeah, I think you and I are almost exactly the same age. Yeah, and yeah. I grew up with my grandparents too, so I, I really related to people of their generation and they were born in like 06 and 1913 and all. And I got really comfortable around people that age. And, uh, and so their, their, uh, their pop culture, you know, just to relate to them and to be loved, you know, how you, <laughs> you want to be, you know, grand, look at me, granddad. I'm, I'm like that comedian you like or something, you know, you, <laughs> you, so you learn their culture as a way of, of sort of, uh, relating to them. So their famous people become your famous people. And this is something that I thought about. Oh, this is an FMU thing that's cool. You know, I got the, the Ubu web. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen that online? Mm-hmm. So I was, when I was a kid, my grandfather had these books called um, Whatever Happened To. And they were by a guy named Richard Lamparsky. And basically they were little books. This was probably in the 70s. Uh, of, of like celebrities, a lot of them silent film stars, right? And now, whatever became of, where are they now? Usually in the in the motion picture country home, uh, post stroke or something. But you know, it have it would have uh, sort of the author would be with them or something. You know, here's here's Mo Howard now looking looking rough, but it was neat because yeah, and my grandfather was like, oh, I remember Tom Mix. What's he up to? And um, I mean, now with the internet, we can yeah. You know, Look yeah. real quick, but people's uh, people's fame faded, you know, to the point where people didn't know if they were living or dead, mm-hmm. you know. And so he was, I wonder whatever happened to so and so, and we just won't we won't be there ever again because it'll just be we we never n- are not knowing what's happening to somebody. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You can find out anything at the at the yeah. I I uh, worked at the public library in the be, before during and after the internet and when it went before people would call up and ask oh you were the shell answer man yeah and people would say you know what's mel gibson's birthday right which is how i learned <laughs> that mel gibson is from where do you know this not australia i can tell you when his birthday is it's january it's january 3rd are you serious mm-hmm. how do you know that uh, well, you take one guess, Richard Fine. Oh, your birthday's January exactly. 3rd. <clears throat> but uh, do you know where he's from? Where is he from? Because we all think he's Australian. But he's he's actually from Peekskill, New York, or, or one of the federal prison sites in New York, where he lived until he was 13, and his dad, won, his crazy dad, won on Jeopardy and moved the family to Australia. That's wonderful. And as over the years, as I worked there from 95 to 2005, the calls faded away. 
everybody could find wow. that out on their own. Yeah. Right, exactly. And it's so <clears throat> we think it's e it's both easier and more difficult to lie then about your, your own personal history. I mean, I would just mentioned like uh, Clark Rockefeller, the fake Rockefeller the other day. And, um, you know, it, it, you can, you can fake an identity better, but also you can't, I mean, cause now you, people could go and search and say, well, no, there is no Clark Rockefeller. I don't know that story. I, I think I missed this story. Oh, of the fake Rockefeller? Yeah. Oh, I, I know it only vaguely, but there was a guy who, uh, and he turned out, this is where he turned out to be German, uh -huh. which is even stranger because he had a bit of an accent, and, <laughs> but he went around pretending to be one of the oh, Rockefellers. I, like, I do vaguely remember this, yeah. Right? Now, it's a really well-known family, too. So it's like, well, which one, if you were, sort of, if you ran in certain circles, it, it'd be like faking being a Kennedy or something, and I'd go, well, I pretty much, yeah. you know. I know them all. It's know them all, which one are you? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I don't know how he managed to do it. But, you know, people are susceptible to that kind of being impressed by celebrities. And really, uh, psychopaths have an advantage. They can really do it very, very easily. Yep. It comes very naturally because they don't get in the middle of it and feel any kind of guilt or anything. Yep. Well, that, that's in, in the first episode I did of this. Uh, John Hodgman said that the, the most successful famous people are sociopaths because they have, they have no guilt and they, they, they just indulge it and... They go far. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what and what and the real kind of fame is all, all really close to infamy too. I mean, the real kind of Alexander the Great being a menace on a grand scale. And sometimes if people know you for something good, it's for a uh it's it's made up anyway. Like uh, you know, a myth. You know, you can you can be it can not be really about you, you know? Yeah. So, but the people, because I watched a lot of TV at a certain age and everything, I remember a lot of, I don't watch a lot of talk shows now, like Jimmy Kimmel and everything, but I watched, you know, like Merv Griffin yeah, and yeah, Johnny too. Carson. Yep. And they would have people on like so-called ordinary people, right? That had some kind of weird thing, like a guy glued a bunch of bottle caps on a car or something. Not any, not a career of you know, not a, a writer or a performer or something, but they'd done one nutty, yeah. one thing worthy of getting on mm -hmm. national, like a sort of fame, right? Yeah, Tiny and, Tim. I, I don't mean to put Tiny Tim down, but. Yeah, but nobody's ever heard. Now, who had heard of him, really? I mean, where did where, somebody, well, like, I heard this guy. <laughs> We've got to get him on the show. It's not a not for any great reputation as interpreting great uh, 20 songs or something. It's for it's for being a carnival act, and that it's a kind that's kind of a mutual uh, exploitation fame that comes from like sideshow. That's a kind of sideshow fame, you know. I'm going to let you put me up. I got my legs are flippers. I'm going to let you put me on a pedestal here. Say I'm a lobster boy, and we're both going to somehow benefit from this, you know, because that's not. I don't know what it means to be uh, to have people have heard of you. Like it's so it could be, you know, in a small context, you know, people always think the local weatherman is famous. Oh yeah. I, I, I moved to Western Mass and, and my wife grew up here and, and the weatherman who she knew 20 years ago will come on TV and she'll get so excited because we don't watch local <laughs> news and then we'll happen to watch it and she'll be like, that's Bob Kovacic. That was my local weatherman <laughs> when I was growing up. And if you saw him, if you saw him out at a restaurant, you 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 keep you keep staring. You go, man, I can't. I'm eating at the. He's right there from TV. Yeah, like like Dom, like Mel Brooks at Calder. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Really. And yeah. I like I was of three people. I did resist the urge to bother him, but I stared like hell. Right. I mean, I couldn't stop looking because it was Mel Brooks. I mean, I, I yeah. And there and, he is, just like on the television. Yeah, there are certain people, you know, that that. There are certain people I've been in rooms with people who are, and I, you know, I, I was very close to Paul McCartney at a party a couple of years Ooh. ago, and people were going nuts. And I don't have anything to say to Paul McCartney, so I didn't feel like I had to say anything to Paul McCartney. Yeah, what are you going to say to Paul McCartney? And it's not who who is who is he anyway? Like if you don't have any business with the man, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly. no more to you than what yeah. you know. Uh, than the King of England or something. Yeah. And there's yeah. literally have nothing nothing yeah. to say. And if you're running, yeah. and the thing is, if you ever do get forced into a position where you've got to like talk to a celebrity, it, you usually 
realize, okay, it's got to be small talk or we got to like, you know, like, oh, yeah. gee, how about them cubs or something? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, as as you put it on the show, because I just listened to your show and I'm, I'm re- trying really hard because my wife always gives me a hard time about this because after your show... I start to oh, channel yeah. you, and, <laughs> and and the voice starts to shift, and I get a little more <laughs> eccentric. Um, uh, but you you said uh, you go over to the person and say I recognize I, I recognize you. I thought I better come over and tell you that I recognize. In fact, you. it might yeah. even be for their benefit too. You know, I never know whether mm-hmm. it's like, did you want? Was it your dream to be famous? I mean, should I be recognizing? Am I breaking your heart by not recognizing uh, because? I mean, you're trying to some kind of low level fame. People must feel like that. It's like, okay, I'm man, I'm on a TV show, you know, and yeah, and not everybody watches every sitcom, right? So the, the chances they see is kind, of, and it must be a little bit frustrating. You think, hey, I finally made it, and, <laughs> and nobody knows who the hell you are. How does it feel when you go up to New Jersey for these events, and you are feted? You are. I've heard you. You know, people are excited, oh, and there oh, you are. Oh, it's like I feel like it's it's uh. It's a bit like a make a wish thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I don't uh, you know, I don't deserve that this this you you kind of because people are they 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 give you a little more than I mm-hmm. think you deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh and that happens with with performers and all. I think, I think it's great and I wouldn't I don't think I would have started if I thought it was right. I didn't right. like that at all. But um you do you do feel very thankful, you know, and uh, don't entirely know what what to uh say or uh, how to respond yeah but i just act as if it's well this is this is something we 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 both are enjoying like yeah. let's make a moment uh, like a a thing that we both enjoy uh, interacting with each other like it you know um it doesn't have to be what we both expect but you know and i and i'm not concerned with uh um you know, look, I used to be a little bit concerned with meeting people because I'd look stupid or I'd be tongue-tied. Or I'd, yeah. You know, and you don't want and, – and when you're performing, once people have liked you and they've clapped, you're like, oh, hold on to that. Yeah. Hold on to that feeling right there. Yeah. You don't, 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 uh, don't meet me and then, you know, something happens and I'm – so it's uh, – I, I, ha- I have to let myself enjoy it and realize that you can have uh, meaning in people's – lives who you don't know yeah and and that's that's an, an interesting thing it's not necessarily bad yeah. you know and um you just have to sort of uh go with it and both make sure you're both getting something out of it you, you know I, I think for its own sake it'd be horrible like i don't have tons of people who know who i am which is a blessing i mean if you listen to me you basically it's you know with your consent right it, yeah <laughs> It's not like, oh, it's this guy I see on this deodorant ad all the time. I hate him. It's, so, you know, I don't get a lot of exposure to people who hate my guts. But I imagine that you you could at some level. And that, that would be terrifying, wouldn't it? And then you then you think, like, maybe I've sold my soul to the devil here. Maybe this is maybe just people knowing who I am or thinking they do or recognizing me is not all that great. I, it's hard to imagine you having too many haters or trolls because what you do is so loving i can see some people being like who is this preacher guy <laughs> or uh, yeah, just yeah. not getting it and being like i'm gonna change the station the worst i get is hey that's not my cuppa yeah and and which is you know you still you still it's a like a prodigal son thing mm-hmm. that you're thinking oh if i could just yeah, get... <laughs> yeah. i know they'd like me yeah bring that. yeah yeah, but let me tell if I I don't know if I've told you I certainly haven't told anyone who's listening to this the story of how I came to 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 listen to you and that is that, that I live in Western Mass and my wife and I were driving down to the city and we're just starting to get you know into the the top of Connecticut and we turn into a fuzzy station that we didn't realize was FMU although I've always liked FMU and there's this guy and he's just talking. And the, uh, it was a very, very, I don't want to, you know, it, uh, embarrass you or anything, but it was a magical drive. It was, it was wonderful. Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we, and and so it was, much. at first it was fuzzy and it wasn't coming in. Those, you got closer to the city, you, you got clearer and clearer. And I started to, you know, starting from like 20 minutes into the end of a show, 
and and starting to realize just what it is, how it is that you're communicating with us. This is my your that is my fantasy, and it ha, you know, and it is something that is uh, unique to broadcast radio, and that is that you know you can be driving along, and it yeah. happens when you're when you're exclusively when you're driving, yeah, <laughs> and that is. Um, you know, this station starts to come in real fuzzy, right? And then you start hearing this thing. You have no idea what's going on. And and you listen because, you know, you've got to because you're driving and you can't watch anything. And you so you have this special relationship with listening anyway. Yeah. And, then, and then you drive away from the signal and it starts to go away. And sometimes you never know what you just heard. Mm-hmm. And that was the most fantastic experience when I was a kid. I love that yeah. more than anything in the world is the way that you would be on car trips and stations would just come in and they would go out. And, and you know, and if you're, uh, if you're lucky and you're driving really late at night, that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's when they would, yeah. they would tolerate people just talking. Yeah. The, you know, just go talking yeah. for no about nothing for hours. Yeah. And and that's such a beautiful thing when you're all alone on the road. And I was in love with that when that when I first had that experience, I thought, that man yeah. <laughs> that's a, is that, that a is that a thing? I thought is that a thing that people do? Is that can you can that yeah. be a thing? All my life you, I've 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 had that and I finally, you know, I've given myself permission to talk. <laughs> Yes. On, on a microphone like you were talking about today. Just don't stop. Uh, and the, the late night, it, 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 that's my my really, really misconceived trucker fantasy. It's driving at night. Yeah, yeah. Listening to people talking. I re- I, when I, uh, a couple of years after I started, I, start, I started run, um, at FMU, I started running into older, and I mean like, Late, uh, like starting maybe late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. people older than me, um, old Gene Shepard fans who had this intimate, intimate relationship with, <laughs> with Gene Shepard and who wasn't on my radar because that, I mean, there's a, there's a fame, weird fame thing, right? If you're not from an area where somebody was a big broadcaster, and before the internet, right? If you didn't, if you weren't in range, you wouldn't know who that person was. And that person made a huge deal and and have a huge influence on people. But if you, uh, you know, if they weren't on some sort of national radio thing, there's no way to hear them. I mean, as a kid, I heard like Doctor Demento and those uh, those syndicated yeah. sh- shows and stuff like that. But yeah. um, you know, I didn't hear like big local people like that talkers like that that had and finding out the kind of influence they had was like man people really did like to listen to that kind of thing radio was different there was a different sort of attention spans yeah when i was a kid it was larry king larry king yes i listened to larry king on the radio on the radio the saddest thing is when he he tried to hand over his his radio jimbo hannon so no first he had to hand it over to david um oh i don't know who this oh what the oh stand-up comedian from the oh david brenner david brenner yeah so Larry King had this radio show for years. I'm leaving. I'm going to give the show to David Brenner. So this thing was in the 90s or something. So I thought, so I'm going to listen. I always liked David Brenner when I was a kid. Talk about being on Merv or something. Yeah. And uh, I listened to it. And oh, my gosh. You can tell he he'd never he didn't know how to talk on the He didn't understand the radio. Like he yeah. didn't understand his now his, his speaking relationship to people. It's very different than... TV and and stand up and everything, certainly than stand up, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's a very different thing, and um, I mean you're not getting well. There's you can't see anybody. I know. I wonder what people in the age of podcasts where you don't even know if literally anybody will listen. Yeah. You know that who who can who do you imagine you're speaking to? You know I'm because uh, I sort of have people in my in my head when I'm. speaking when I'm talking, kind of a potential audience. Yeah. You know? Well, my, and a lot of times they are they are truckers. <laughs> yeah. Truckers are my, my mom my mom's only been gone for seven years, so it's still her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I, I think of her That's listening neat. and judging or you know, she'd end up supporting, right. but right, yeah. right. 
Yeah. She was always That's my, cool. My, I, I think I got moving that with my grandfather a little bit because he turned me on to uh, to old radio. And yeah. thank God it was in the 70s when you could get cassettes. Yeah. So he bought, a, bought me a cassette player and got some of these uh, old radio shows that I would never have heard mm-hmm. uh, and uh, on cassette, you know, and um, boy, that was, uh, that was eye-opening too. And that made me fall in love with something I did not know was not a career anymore. <laughs> so how long have you done the show on FMU? And how long have you done it before FMU? Uh, four years... On FMU. Five years, four or five years on FMU. Yeah, that's, that's about what I thought. And then before that, I was on, for a long time, on and off, in Tallahassee, on their college station, mm-hmm. um, uh, WVFS, mm-hmm. which is a great, great college station, and uh, has managed to stay independent and, and uh, you know pretty cool and and let me really early on like probably 20 some years ago when it started um do whatever i wanted really they just let you get on and talk yeah yeah and it built you know i had to build my reputation a little bit Mm -hmm. you know and but the it it kept expanding how long i was allowed on you know and um so that was this great place to to fail like nobody was saying oh this isn't working stop you know it just literally i was allowed to years of uh playing with the radio seeing you know what you could do yeah. uh with a and having a radio audience like yeah. ready made a great and, place to fail is is this yeah. this is a great place to fail but, but then i realized that you know i, I t- sort of made a half uh assed effort at at doing it like a, a commercial I'm, it was a totally different thing. Like that's mm-hmm. not what I wanted to do. That isn't. They don't. That's a different world. You're, mm-hmm. They're ha- they have different priorities and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize, it, you uh-huh. know. And uh, I was like, man, no, I can't. I can't do this. I don't. I mean, I'm not good. I, I you know, I'm not good in that way. Like I can't do that. Uh, you know, I don't know whether it's um, attention span or just people's taste change about you know, what they're willing to listen to. And I mean, there's still these story things, right? They're hugely popular. Those storytelling, uh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the moth. Yeah. Yeah. They're that's, that's huge. And those things are amazing. And it's clearly a different genre than stand up and, and, and it's not, uh, theater necessarily, you know, it's just, it's, it's great. A wholly other thing. And, uh, um, there's all sorts of, of niches like that. I'm, I'm glad that people are, are fine in them, you know? Maybe people have a little bit of high expectations of how big their audience should be or can be, but I think that finding any kind of audience at all is just amazing. Right. And, and you seem very at ease, but do you wrestle with that at all? Oh, I did. I'm going to, I will make a confession to you. <laughs> I did a long time ago. Yeah. I did. Maybe not that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe embarrassing, yeah, but I wish yeah. it was long ago. But I think I was done with it. By the time I got on FMU, I had no expectation. I'm, I'm discovering the joys of editing audio, and I love it. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's really fun. Oh, oh my goodness. And I I'm, love it when I... Go, go on. Ahead. I, I've always you know, liked editing writing more than writing it. And with this, there's so much just to play around just for hours. You could just go nuts. Um, oh yeah, and you, yeah, you can do them simultaneously, you know. Yeah, I uh, I edit and write simultaneously sometimes when I do uh, skits. Yeah, you know, because I can move things around, right? And I can do multiple takes. Yeah, so I resist asking you because I, I I'm so curious, but I also love the magic of it. But but you know, Lou and everybody, how, how do you how do you get everybody in there? It depends. Like sometimes I do things. In one in one take, like I, uh, most of the time I don't edit shows mm-hmm. unless I've unless I've really gone crazy and like written a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. In which case, it's going to sound uh, slower if I'm reading than if I'm thinking and talking. Yeah, right. So uh, I've even I've done shows where I've pretended to read. <laughs> yes, 
like yes. I've read a whole story, right? Yes. So, uh, because it really has to do with like the, the pace and everything, you know, you can tell when somebody's reading and when they're speaking off the top of their head, you yeah. really, you really can. And so, uh, but some things, you know, they're going fast. So I'll have, I'll, I'll do editing, but what, so I do it like a cartoon. So if I have a, have a script, you know, I'll, I'll be like, a, are you ready to go yet, Hardy? <laughs> are are you ready to go yet, Hart? Are you ready to go yet, Hardy? And then I'll just like grab it. Go. Oh, the third one looks good. I'm gonna take you to task here. You do not dislike puns. Oh, I know. I'm just. But you always say you do. I, well, because I think that's the polite <laughs> thing to do. I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> You know, you say you have gas or something, you excuse yourself. You don't go, yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I love to fart. No. You just, you say, oh, pardon me, I don't, that, did that come out of me? I'm so ashamed. I'm probably, I think I'm fine with people punning if they feel shame for it. Because it really, it is this, it's this, it's the type of humor. I used to have this friend that would do it to me relentlessly. And I said to him, you have some sort of, emotional disorder like like you are listening to what what i'm saying but not the content of it right not the emotional content <laughs> so i could be talking about something and he's thinking of like why those words are funny yeah and the way this bit him in the ass so bad one time this this girl was talking at a party and she was uh <laughs> she was talking about her, her boyfriend and she said about the time that Jason fell. And my friend thought that this guy's name was Jason Fell. That that was so funny. He goes, that's like Jason Fell. And he started making a joke about it. Well, she was actually talking about the time her boyfriend fell off a balcony and died. Oh. So she, Jason really did fall. But he, see, he didn't even hear that. He just heard Jason Fell. He just heard the words and he was so intent. Yeah. I'm making a joke out of yeah. the words. And it is, I read in, a, in an Oliver Sacks book about somebody was hit in the head and became this incorrigible punster. <laughs> and they would, but they wouldn't be listening to what you're saying. They're just, you know, they're listening to the words and not the content. And so when I pun, I feel like I'm, I'm making light of, like I'm popping out of the, it's like look breaking the third fall or something it's like it's icky it's bringing attention to the words and, but and, and so long as you show sufficient shame yeah you should feel bad for that yeah, so yeah. i feel bad that's like you can you see now um, that, that that's a good point because I, I i i can lean that way and i i think what annoys people and my lovely bride are when i take great pride in, yes. the, in the pun instead of shame there's certain I've had certain acquaintances who were really awful about it, and it's it's a, it's a devilish charm. It it is something. There's something sort of horrible about it. like people groan for a reason, like you like you're breaking some social taboo or something. Yeah. But there's a maybe it's you're you're lording your cleverness or some some people feel mm -hmm. like when you're clever that you're being threatening. Yeah, I you know I, the great thing about talking on the radio is that uh, eventually, like if you ever thought if I ever 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 could be mistaken for clever, that I could dispel that very quickly by not shutting up. Like if you keep talking, anybody if they keep talking, you go oh you know they're not ever they're not. If you show enough of yourself, um, people realize that you're 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 nothing special. Right, and I like that part. That's anti-show business too. That's what uh, you know. That's anti-fame too, because you're you're immediately trying to dispel any misconceptions people have about you, you know. And um, uh, but I think uh, I think that's important. <laughs> well, that that kind of brings up something that I I kind of told myself I wasn't going to bring up here, and I can just leave it out. Yeah, on on your say so, but. Part of the whole having a a public persona mm -hmm. is I think about I'm like I'm gonna talk to this person who I admire who I I, I really I, I enjoy his work and I enjoy it every week and it inspires me. But who am I speaking to? Because what you do uh -huh. is a certain percent. There's a certain percent of you that's hardy and that you know right. you're not being colbert as as a character 
And you're not no. being Dame Edna. And I feel like it's mostly the person I'm chatting with right now. But but there's right. a there's a there's a portion of you, and you talk about it sometimes on the show. Absolutely. I mean, I made I made this. I made it. It's an absolute uh, choice, and it it's counterintuitive. But I thought, you know, how can I be most honest? And I, I realized that um, I was going to have to hide some parts of me. You know, you, you can you can be honest, but there's there's always a, a price. I think so. You you need to know what, yeah. what part of you could be destroyed by your honesty, and don't. You know, you needn't use that. That isn't what you want to show the world anyway. Like, yeah. uh, 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 you know, I, if I want people to be a certain way or better, or kinder or more patient or something like that, then I damn well better show them that. Now, is that who I am all the time? No, absolutely not. But it's mm -hmm. like the punning, you know? I'm not proud of that. And so if I'm going to show you, if I'm going to have you over... I'm going to have out my nice mm -hmm. china. Do I eat on my nice china all the time? No. Is it pretense? Mm -hmm. Am I pretending to be someone I'm not by putting out the nice china? No. I think it's, it's more like um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to uh, aspire uh, to something. And uh, I'm trying to give uh, my, my best. Mm -hmm. And so when you give your best, you don't... Uh, my mom used to say, you know, people used to dress up to fly. When they'd go on a plane trip, they'd wear a suit. Now people don't care what they look like. So, you know, I, I find like, well, maybe it, it's kind of neat if you care a little bit, not to the point of neurosis, but care a little bit what other people think, like their comfort, their, uh, you, know, you know, make things a little nice for them. Yeah. And, we, and we do that culturally all the time, you know. I just had a Japanese visitor. And my goodness, they want you to feel... Uh, <laughs> you know, blessed and lucky yeah. with the gifts and everything like that. I think that's great. Do they do that all the time? No, but it's not it's not phony or anything. And so I think sometimes it's easier um yeah. to be I mean, we're being I don't want to sound like, you know, too like dorm room pothead or anything. I mean, we're all being a made up mm -hmm. character anyway, right? You made up who you are is is not I mean, we don't even know ourselves completely. Say, be yourself. I don't know who that yeah. is exactly. You know, and it's even, we're a mystery even to ourselves. So if you're going to talk to everybody or talk to people you don't know, Lord, Lord, mm -hmm. God, you know, have on, put on a tie. I, I feel like all of us should be willing to philosophize as the dorm room pothead more. Yeah, you know, we should, you know, let your, let your, thoughts go don't be yeah. people uh, there's so much um there's so much shame now or so much embarrassment about being thought uh, to be naive or, or or goofy you know and mm -hmm. i remember there's a there was a terrible backlash in the in the 80s against like the counterculture mm -hmm. movement i thought for because people began began to fear being naive yeah you know they and and uh the same with um they they were fearing their own true selves like they were afraid of like disco and they were afraid of mm -hmm. of of their sexuality and their expression and they were afraid of being uh feminine or and so the music changed you know and it got more like oh I want to put on a flannel shirt and get all angry and everything mm -hmm. you know and it, I felt like people had been wounded for being sensitive they felt like we well, this is a losing battle you know, so I want to put some, yeah, you know, and, uh, and so even now there's like this, uh, I find among very well-educated people, this, uh, too cool for school kind of, uh, fear of being, looking naive or, or, or goofy or something like that. But then there's also a, a longing for that, you know, and it comes out by, by shoving sentimentality into our popular culture, yeah. like the, like the best the best uh, Simpsons episodes, right, are the ones that seem edgy and then at the same time they're sentimental. Yeah, because that's what uh, that that's what our culture was longing for. Yeah, 
You it's, know? A, it's interesting. When you were talking about the the flannel, late 80s, 90s, stars of the 70s and 80s, I can't think of it. I'm, I'm trying. I'm thinking of Bowie and Mick Jagger. They didn't try that on. No, they were already comfortable. They were committed to the. They had already evolved, you know, and and uh, but and they but they also because of their celebrity, they weren't really being punished for it, you know. <laughs> they were they were, uh, but I think that you know it was uh, it's it's tougher being yourself um, when the culture is pushing back. And you don't have power or fame or anything, you know, and, and people in your community are like, oh, no, you're, you know, that's this, that, or the other thing. Um, and that's, that's a shame, you know, I, 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 and, and it's like, uh, I would always take it really personally when people would bash, um, or make jokes at like Mr. Rogers expense. Now he's a little more revered. Uh, at Mr. Rogers expense? Yes, like yeah, there was this idea that Mr. Rogers' gentleness was icky. Yeah, and now he it, it's it's come full circle. Some people are genuinely compassionate. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, you can you're trying to ascribe ne- negative things to everybody. It's I'm sorry, but you know, your cynicism only goes so far. Some people are the real thing, right? And uh, and so I'm glad that he's that you know that's kind of come uh, full circle. But that sort of sincerity was mocked for so long. You can have a an edge. You can understand that things are violent and rotten, you know, um, but also be a, a hopeful, gentle person without, you know, contradiction. Uh, I've seen it. That's why. That's the whole thing. I've seen. I've seen people manage to do it. So I want to emulate them. I, I think I strive for that. Although I, I can be a bitter, dark person. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's well, you know. I think that's normal, though. I think that that's like, uh, you know, you just uh, if your eyes are open, you know, you're going to be uh, bitter and discouraged, and there's some horrible injustice and pain in the world. It's a, it, and and sometimes when you you know witness it up close, it's hard to be positive, and nobody wants some Pollyanna going around smiling all the time. Um, and we do shelter ourselves from a lot of the, a lot of the pain in the world. Uh, but it's also in, important to, to, to keep going and, and to, and, and to enjoy what life you have, I think. And, and, uh, and, and we're, we get in each other's way really badly about that. And I, I, I hate that. Uh, it's equally important and difficult. And, and I think we're both in our early fifties. Yes. That's safe to say. So the, that I haven't launched a creative project in five years or so. It, it's harder and harder because the thought of being vulnerable when I'm established as this person to this, you know, I've left cities where I feel like you can take bigger risks because you can disappear if they don't work out. You know, I live in a tiny town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't work out, how you did that stupid ass podcast thing. Oh, but see, that's what I that's what I went through in Tallahassee for decades though. That that town is small and I did all sorts of faily faily things. And you got to wake up the next morning and and people do remember you from that stupid thing you did. And and in a way, it's sort of nice to to be uh, you know, reminded reminded of those things. It could get discouraging and I had to sort of step away to not get you know, haunted uh, by, but I wouldn't say they're failures now as much as my expectations were so off. You know, I just, I didn't know what was important until I got much older. I really didn't. I had really. What did you, what did, specifically, what did you expect or hope from a given project? I really required, I really required having some sort of status social sta- social status not anything exalted or anything but just being recognized you know it's a sort of pride you, you know like uh and people still I, oh i see i see when people don't have it and it have cocktail parties are just where everybody just it's so much ass showing that they don't realize they're doing but people's insecurities about what they've achieved in life or who their fears about how other people perceive them or their, their career success, what they've done, right? 
it's very important to people to share their level of education because they want other people to know that at least they've made a stab at it, even if their career doesn't reflect, you know, how the, you know, how great their intellect is. It just had some bad luck, you know, and so people are all sorts of places there trying to prove things to themselves for whatever reason. They're, you know, I, I don't know. We, we're all carrying around a bunch of stuff that we don't, you know, about being loved uh, conditionally. And so I thought people loved me conditionally and that I had to be a certain person or something to get a certain amount of respect and that kind of thing. And I think that's because I wasn't, you know, cool with, you know, I was torturing myself. And I, and, uh, finally, I just, I think it happened when, um, I think people started dying and that, you know, uh, that will snap you out of things a little bit and you go, okay, gosh, th this is, uh, that life's a little different. I, my priorities are all screwed up. You know, my interpersonal relationships are what matter and I don't have to be a genius to be good at that. You know, I don't have to be, I don't have to have a PhD to sit with somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, who's got cancer and is about to die and is scared or something. And, 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 you know, I can just do that as a friend or a nephew or something like that. And, 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 and that's enough. Like, and then what, and then my struggle as far as what to do for a living and how to, how to feed myself and all, and all that stuff, that's just secondary, you know, that's whatever you know, that's just luck and energy and whatever. But it stopped haunting me as being something that, you know, this is my identity. I just, I am who I am, whatever, you know, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm putting too much effort into feeling self-conscious when I really just want to connect with people and feel relaxed around somebody like that guy who takes tickets, this old man who took tickets at the, at the movie theater, who would talk to everybody and it was just, how you doing today? kind of guy I was like man that's I'll just be that guy and then one day I said I'm just going to be that guy screw it I'm tired of trying to look cool all the time this is killing me you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cop to my my shortcomings you know and my failures and whatever and um love me I'm lovable I can love you back and that's that's and then I and then everything from that point on just went perfectly. Everything you were doing. <laughs> now, yeah. And now life is just a. It just, it's been smooth yes, since then, exactly. weirdly. <laughs> that was all very resonating with me. And then you said, be a good. You were talking about being with someone who's dying, be a good nephew. And in the past six years, I've had a lot of, a lot of dying around me. And after my mother died, she always kind of took, took care of an, uh, my Aunt Joy who's in Fort Lauderdale, who's kind of, I don't know uh, what we would have called her today, but she she's never worked and she's always been, you know, what, what uh -huh. uh, words like special. But she lived alone and, and my mom would go down twice a year and take care of her. And once my mom died, she, my mom worked really hard for that not to fall to me because she always hated that burden. But it fell to me and it was one of the most important and she ended up dying a few years later. But taking care of her made me feel all the things you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess this could have happened to me earlier. I waited for, you know, life to, to kick my ass. It kind of found me. But I guess I could have gone searching for it and found it a little earlier. But, but still, oh, that's remarkable. That's a good thing. And, and it sounds, uh, it's hard to share because it sounds cheesy, you know, and, 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 uh, uh it, it is a little bit, but I, but I challenge anybody to just go through life uh, to love or to care about anybody and not have stuff like that happen to them. And it hits you out of the blue, brother, Ben. You can hit uh, Patton Oswald's wife. He just lost her, right? That, I mean, you can think, oh, this guy's on top of the world making a million dollars. And like, oh, yeah, that doesn't, none of that crap matters at all. Yeah. You know, that, you know what he's going through right now is like, that's, that's real life. Yeah. I really appreciate the way that he's been public about it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem too much. It seemed like he really wants to honor her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm the big star, but she was the shit. And I want people to, you know, he kind of wants that to be known. Yeah. And it's a good way to deal with his grief, too. I remember a friend lost uh, his wife and she was a, she was a, 
poet and a, a English professor and a writer. And he, he published a lot of her stuff uh, posthumously because it was really a great way for him to, to cope with her loss too, is, is uh, you know, um, doing that. So, and, that, and that's a great example for people. We all do go th through stuff like that. You know, I, can, I love for, for people to laugh at me, and it makes me feel clever when I get laughs, to be honest with you. But it makes me feel uh, indescribable when somebody comes up to me and said, you helped me through, I was in a bad time, and you said something, and it really helped. I wish I could remember something specific. This is good, but this is good that I don't know I'm doing it, I think. Yeah, but, well, we, we yeah we block it out because it felt so good that you were right, aware right. of how good it felt. Yeah. Right, exactly. But but you know, if I did that, you know, uh, you know, oh my God, that's 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 uh, inc that's incredible. I mean, I can't imagine uh, like wanting anything more than that. But, uh, so it's nice to to feel like okay, just keep going. You're you're doing all right. You 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 do you inadvertently helped somebody. Keep whatever you're doing, keep doing it, and you maybe inadvertently will help again. And that it's funny because people keep saying, Why do I want to do this? And why do I want to talk about fame? And it's because I know that there's something in me that's been been messed around with by this concept. And so if we can just talk about it and I can talk about it to people out in in, in the wherever it's going, then we can all process it together. <laughs> you know. Oh, I, I, I agree. It, it, you know, it, I don't know if it started when you put the thought in my head that we were going to talk, but I started to think, feel it cropping up in uh, lots of different ways in my life. Just the idea, the idea of, of, of fame, you know, what it means to have everybody either know you, right? It could be just your image, like, a, like the techno Viking, well, you don't even know who that man is, right? But you could make the argument that he's world famous. Like, oh, Techno Viking. Yeah, I know that. Blah, blah, blah. But you, you don't know who that man is, and he doesn't want you to know. And it's just his image has been stolen. And, and so there's, there's, you know, there is this like um, uh, empty promise to it that it is it will bring you something magically. You, you know? And uh, um, I think we must have been sold that as psychologically, uh, probably in the process of selling us something interesting like televisions or, you know, or movies or, you know, and, but our culture has become centered around it. That, that fame is something that needs to be, uh, achieved, uh, by anybody and everybody. Absolutely. Everybody, even if it means, you know, going on Jerry's, Springer and throwing a chair at somebody, you know, or, or people who are already successful or wealthy that only feel like they'll be legitimized, you know, on, on these, on these, uh, you know, housewives of the rich and famous Kardashians shows. Right, right. Perhaps it's this. Perhaps I just thought about this because there is, you know, certain like uh, concentric circles of of fame, right? So let's say you live in a small community, like we're talking about the weatherman, right? Yeah. You know, you could be, or you could be well known in your neighborhood, like, oh, it's Donut Man. It goes around, and helps everybody. Everybody knows Donut Man, right? And so you, you know, um, when we live in a community where people know each other, and you grow up, and you have a place, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you have kind of a place in the community, there, there, there comes a time when more people know you as you become an adult, and you become better known. And you have a sort of, of local, I don't know if it's fame, but you, you become known to your community and to others, all right? So your reputation sort of precedes you. This is how people live together. Now, when you expand that community, if it's big, you have to do more and more things for everybody to know you, be the mayor or be the preacher or something like that. I think what happens in our culture is we got away from, from smaller communities. Our communities transferred to the popular culture to a television, all right? So then our, literally our community became television shows instead of individuals. And the only way to take your place in the community was to, to sort of go into the television. You had to some, some 
find a way of getting in there and then you'd be legitimized as a person you know there it wasn't uh, there wasn't that uh, community people were moving around and everything like that it's really strange to me and i i think that we you can see people really longing to to have uh to have smaller smaller manageable uh, social structures, because the the huge ones are. Look how crazy and unwieldy they are now, you know. And we can no longer talk. We don't even all speak the same uh, language, really. When we're talking to each other, cult- as far as cultural touchstones and things like that, you know, they're all different now. Well, yeah, so, there, there's no there's no Elvis or the Beatles. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say, "Oh, did you see Bob Newhart's show last night?" <laughs> Oh, I missed it. You know, there wasn't that much of it. It was like three things on, right, or something. You, you watched one of them. So, uh, yeah, people all. But, uh, yeah, I worry about that. It's the new, it's the, it's it's doing what air conditioning did, you know, driving people in, farther inside. Um, and and so maybe there should be a, a, a new kind of, a new kind of non-fame fame. Push that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anti-fame, post post-fame, and you have people in your community, right? Like you have to to you, they're sort of famous, like people you see all the time, or people that have a specific shop, like maybe in your in your neighborhood. I mean, they're a big deal. Absolutely, absolutely, and I am I I am one of the owners of a local bar, and that 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 is exactly the the situation. Yeah. So is one of my one of my best friends in the world is in Tallahassee, and he, you know, and uh, and he sees it as as a, you know, that he's part of a, a a social scene to make things to to bring people together, and so he thinks of all crazy reasons, you know. I mean, he, he doesn't do a lot of like promotions just to make money because it's you know it's a it's a love thing. Um, I mean, he's been doing it for decades, but he barely makes it. But what's important to him is that there's the sense of community around it that you know people come in for a show or some crazy theme <laughs> night yeah. or well yeah. uh, my wife know? and i did run bingo once a month <laughs> yeah yay <laughs> exactly he my friend used to do it with a guy in a gorilla suit exactly yeah so you got to do anything yes. you can get people in yeah. bring them together yeah yeah, yeah. I still get so starstruck. If I ever, I rarely, rarely do I meet celebrities, and I'm always like, uh, I, you know, I don't say anything, but I'm always deeply <laughs> unnerved. You know, I don't, they do seem special. Yeah, yeah. You, you, there are times on the show, and I can think of the people that you would be, you know, starstruck to meet. I was talking about McCartney. Didn't you know, it didn't matter to me, but if I were to sit in a room, if I were to walk into a room with Elvis Costello. Oh, me too. I, I, a friend has uh, interacted with him multiple times in his profession, and I'm like, please tell him, I, I, even though I've never met him. I did, was that sort of, I met uh, Martin Short one, one time in one of those like meet and greet before show things. Totally awkward. Like he comes in, to, and my friend got me in, right? So oh, you're a huge Martin Short fan. I go, yeah, yeah. But then I had nothing to say. I was, I was struck dumb. I didn't know what to say. You're funny. Something he knows. And and you wouldn't want to be him in that situation either. Because he's like, oh, this guy really clearly loves me. But he doesn't know me, and he likes my work. And okay, my work is my... Yeah. It's a no-win situation. It's a no. We both feel uncomfortable. Yeah, everybody there feels uncomfortable. And... uh yeah, it'd be another thing if we like won a contest and we both were forced to eat dinner together and we're making the most of it, right? But it's not that at all. It, it's, uh, but that's it. I think that's it for for celebrities. Mm-hmm. When I in the year when I did bad stand up, so uh, in San Francisco all week long we'd go from cafe to cafe. I would go out like three, four nights of the week, and then on on Sundays you'd go to their two big clubs, Cobb's and the Punchline. And you'd hope to get up once every six months for five minutes, and because they'd have a, a a Sunday night local, you know, not open mic, but locals, and once Robin shows up, Robin Williams shows up. Oh my gosh! And as jaded and bitter and cynical and mean as these comics were, 
like the seas would part and and he got up one night and he just he just killed he slaughtered he just people where we were all just in the back of the you know when you can the back of the room was just it was amazing and he just felt like performing so he got up and did it you know he's one of one of those rare individuals too that that was uh, so good at his craft that uh, that's a thing too. You're not just watching somebody who's uh, famous because they're famous. You know, he was no. legitimately incredibly skilled guy who really worked really hard at his craft. I mean, you know, by the time everybody started hearing who he was, he'd been working at it hard. You know, and, and that's an amazing thing too. Some I felt that with musicians. We're just around somebody whose skill level is so high too that you think, ooh, <laughs> you know, I almost, I almost have no problem talking to you because there's nothing to be intimidated by. You're, you're a god, <laughs> you know. You're, you're really good. So I don't, I don't, you know. Uh, so that 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 wouldn't be too bad. I think I could, I could gush at some at some musicians. Yeah, I've gone up to people and said, just said thank you. I hope we can do this again sometime because I'm, I, I feel like I've, that, that I can just go in a lot of directions right now. Like the time when I was more than gushy and a little over the top with someone. And I've never, haven't talked to you about music and I know you've always. Oh yeah. You know, we should, we should talk again because, uh, well, here's the thing. I never get to talk to anybody. And uh, <laughs> it's true though. You talk to me once a week. Uh, but, uh, but I know <laughs> they don't talk back or ask questions or anything. And so there's, first of all, in conversation, sometimes I forget, I forget to pause. That's one thing the radio station has ruined uh, for me is I forget to let other people speak. But I really like to, I really love conversations and I just don't, I don't get to have many. And even if you go to where you should have one, like, you know, a party or something, they take these weird turns. Like you don't really get to properly speak about anything in depth. With anybody, there's no uh, there's no place to do that, you know. It either deteriorates into some sort of small talk, or you begin talking about, you know, some movie or something. But um, th there really isn't a place to have important conversations. It's, it's 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 a shame. I don't know where they're had necessarily. Yeah, you know, I I agree, and I even tend to avoid them. I I, I tend to find the super. I you get lazy. But yeah, and we, music, and we haven't talked about our doggies. I heard yours. I, now I know you really have them because I heard them barking. And, mm. Oh, I do. Mm. I do have them. Mm -hmm. oh, I have a beagle, like a, uh, not really a beagle. It's some kind of hound mix. It might be a, a walker, tree, and coon hound, but a, you know, but a really decrepit looking one. And then I've got some sort of dog that I'm, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I think they're, they're, I don't know that their parents were friends. I think it looks like something was, it was not consensual. Yeah. The, the, uh, you know, because <laughs> the offspring kind right, of, yeah. Cause it looks that. like a big okay. terrier or something like a tiny little dog, but maybe that ran into a Rottweiler, you know, it just looks really super wrong. She's sweet, but, uh, she's just a really odd looking. Well, one of my dogs, we have two and two cats, one of whom. Is, is getting ready to leave the planet. And we're saying goodbye oh, no. to her slowly. But uh, one of our dogs is kind of the the inverse of your strange dog because he is a he's a pit bull Shih Tzu mix, and we call him a bullshit. <laughs> but he's he's like a pit with legs four inches long, and he is just the handsome. He is yeah. It's not just us. He's a he's a he, he slaughters everybody. He, people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing I'll, him. I hope he's just. I'll like send I you picture. a picture. Yeah. Do yeah. <laughs> I have to see this? So we'll we'll go deeper into music and dogs. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Uh, I feel like this is this is this is a rookie move here, but I'm going to quote you. All right. To get ready to say goodbye, because today you said not today. You said it yesterday, but I heard it today. Uh, you said, we'll start out friends and just let it erode from there. <laughs> right. That's good. I believe that. Yeah. So let's do that. And, and Yeah. Uh, it's It's been great talking. Oh, Jamie, I'm so, pl uh, this has been wonderful. I've had, what a great conversation. I hope it was, I hope it's something you can use. I, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up unedited. <laughs> oh, just whatever, whatever say, you people, need to do. Yeah, if you get bored, 
you can turn it <laughs> right, off. Right, right. So exactly. thanks, and let's 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 talk again. Absolutely, friend. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Just in case it's not clear to someone out there, I had an incredible time talking to Hardy White. I have a whole bunch of thoughts about this episode, which was the first 15 minutes episode with someone I've never met before. I'm especially interested in something I hadn't really worked out before, the risk of what I'm going to hope I'm inventing, fan-zoning myself when talking to someone whose work I so highly revere. Hardy turned out to be a perfect first guest in this regard because he's just so gracious and generous. Thank you again, Hardy. If you're new to Hardy White, the June 9th episode of Miracle Nutrition that we touch on would be a great place to start. You can go find it on iTunes or, again, through WFMU.org. I'm going to let the rest of my many, many thoughts about this episode sit until episode 10, when I'll indulge in a little reflection of these first few months of 15 minutes. For now, though, if you're new around these parts, please go to 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 15minutes, J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. For everything you'd expect to find, including info on the first seven episodes you've missed with John Hodgman, Tim Lockfeld, Case Hudson, Mark Berger, Lois Parkinson, Annie Duke, and Monty Belmonte. I've also posted links to just a few of the cultural giants that come up in our conversation uh, tonight, today, whenever this actually reaches your ears. And because some people have asked, I swear they've really asked, I've posted just how one can go about rating and reviewing podcasts on iTunes from a phone or tablet. That is, if one wanted to do that. Rate and review a podcast from a phone or tablet. Hint, hint. Ed Patnode, thank you, Infinity, for making this sound as pretty as it could possibly sound every time. And thank you for listening. This is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger.